Now, we are delighted uh, tonight to have uh, Brother Wilfred and Lawrence and David, and they're going to minister to us again in song. I text Lawrence through the week, and we just confirmed it after the morning service, where he was away uh, for uh, a time over in London, uh, and uh, we... we, we uh, uh, I hadn't got to him and he hadn't got to me, so it didn't matter. Uh, but we're delighted, of course, that they're going to sing to us this evening on the last Sunday night of the year. So thank you. All right.
thank Wilfred and Lawrence and David for that ministry in Shaw. It's great to have one singer in the church, but when you have three members of the one family and generations that are able to sing, well, that's tremendous. The Lord bless you, and we do thank you for taking time tonight to prepare and for that ministry. Now, could you turn with me tonight in the Bible to Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And most of you now are well aware I have been here for 20 years, and uh, every year. Uh, we preach on the theme of the end of the year and most of those sermons have been to do with time and um, I'm going to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm sure I've preached in this chapter before uh, but not certainly on this particular text. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and we're going to read the first 15 verses together. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says in verse 1, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to rend, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time of war, and a time of peace. What profit have he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good thing in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this evening is taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. And it says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. 
And my theme tonight is entitled, God has set time and eternity in every man's heart. Now, there's 700 references in the Bible to time. The first reference, Genesis 4 and 3, it says, in the process of time. The last reference is in Revelation 22 and 10. Seal not the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So in between these two references, there's another 698 references to time. I never preach through them all. Now, one of the best and the most well-known of references to time in the Bible is found in the book of Ecclesiastes, especially in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And if you were to read the passage again carefully, you would discover that the word time is mentioned on 31 occasions. And we are all very familiar, of course, with the concept of time. Don't we talk about bedtime? And we talk about breakfast time? Most of us experienced hard times or bad times in our lives. We're well aware that time is fleeting. Don't we say to ourselves regularly, time is short? What about saying it's wind down time after a hard day's work? Or what about the holiday time? And we're excited for that when we're going away somewhere nice. You see, even in church circles, we talk of having a blessed time of fellowship. Or as I often say from this pulpit, time is gone. In other words, it's the end of the service. You see, we're familiar with time. It's an essential part of our lives. Could we imagine life without time? Is our lives not governed by time? And here's Solomon, and in his wisdom, he makes 31 references to time in 16 verses. King Solomon here, I believe, is teaching us that there is a time and purpose to everything in life. Behind men living out their lives in time is the great plan and purposes of God. Remember, even in the hard times and the bad times, God is on the throne that God has foreordained all that comes to pass, that God is sovereign, and God has a time for everything. Is that not what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 3 and 1? To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. You see, despite all the bad things that happens to the individual on the life's journey, or even in the corporate life and witness of a New Testament church, God has a plan, and God has a purpose. Now, I have to admit something to you. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 16 verses, well, they're easy to read, aren't they? There's no big words in them. But I want to tell you, it's a very difficult passage to try and grasp and understand. And if you don't believe me tonight, then I would encourage you to try and read some of the commentators and their comments on this particular passage of Holy Scripture. And if you were finding it mind-boggling before you start it, you'll certainly be mind-boggled, especially after you've finished. 
And yet, despite what the commentators are saying, and even though they make it very complicated, I believe that there's a a glorious lesson here. And the lesson is this. Above all that men are, and above all that men have, and above all that men do, above all their actions and schemes and plans, behind them is this most sovereign high God who rules and reigns over man. And God in their actions and events, is fulfilling his sovereign purpose. And if we were to catch sight of that tonight, that God is superintending all the events and the lives of every individual throughout the world, then we would be strengthened in our knowledge that God has set time and eternity in every man's heart. Look at our text. He hath made everything beautiful, in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart. You see, I want you to think tonight of the creator of time and eternity. He hath made, that's a reference to God, everything beautiful in his time. He hath also set the world in their hearts. And, and that's a reference to men. That's a reference to the sons of men that's mentioned in verse 10. You see, we stand at the beginning of another year, don't we? Soon 2019 will be gone into God's eternity, and 2020 will begin. And um, what should we remember? Who should we think about as, as time passes or as time changes? And here's the answer. The creator of time. You see, if we could talk tonight about the clock of life, I would tell you that God has started the clock of life for all of creation. And and God has started the clock of life for all his creatures. See, men look at life tonight without God. They look at life from an earthly point of view. And if you were to read Ecclesiastes 2, that's what Solomon was doing. He was looking at life without God. He was trying to find satisfaction without God. He set his heart to find and seek wisdom. He threw himself into his work. He built houses. He had lovely palaces and gardens. He sought the best of wine and food for his table. He sampled them. He, he sought to acquire gold and silver and to be the richest man that ever lived. And he discovered, despite all his work, despite all his wisdom, despite all his wealth, What did he discover? It was all vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, he ended up frustrated. He he was deep down. He was dissatisfied. Why? Because he had left God out of his life. And Solomon remembered and discovered in life's journey that it's God himself who is the creator of time and God has put the concept of time and eternity into the hearts and lives of men. Now, I love the authorized version, and you know that. I make reference to that often. If you look at verse 11, you'll see the word world in there. W-O-R-L-D. And if we were to translate that from the English to the Hebrew and Hebrew to English, we would discover that the word world actually is the Hebrew word for eternity. Now, now, read it in that light. I'm not saying that our translators were wrong. But what I'm saying is that the Hebrew word for world 
in Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 is the word for eternity. Think of it. Also, he have set eternity in their hearts. You see, it means that man has a natural capacity or a natural consciousness to think of God as the creator of time, to, to think of life from God's point of view, to consider God's great eternity. You're familiar with what happened 20 years ago. You heard of a man called Mr. Eternity who lived in Sydney, Australia. And remember, of course, that in the millennium in the Sydney Bridge, that the Sydney Bridge was lit up in lights with one word. I remember watching it down in the old manse, and I was blown away because it was most unexpected. E eternity. And I thought, amid all the celebration of that time, what a sobering reminder of how transient life is. What a sobering reminder of all that glitters is not real in, in light of God's eternity. And only that men and women could, could grasp that thought, eternity, and then ponder this, that God has set eternity in their hearts. You see, at the end of another year, as this decade closes and a new begins, you remember tonight that God himself is the creator of time and eternity. And God has stamped that in your heart. You see, when God created man, he set time and eternity in man's hearts. You know what that means? It means that mankind is not a created animal. He's not one or two steps behind the animals. There are many differences between uh, man, made in the image of God, and any animal. Here's just some of them. An animal has no sense of eternity. An animal has no sense of God. He's not conscious of God. An animal has no real sense of self-consciousness. Do you know why? Because an animal's not a living soul. God, remember, took the dust of the ground and he, he made Adam. And he breathed into Adam the breath of life. And Adam, the Bible tells us, became an immortal soul. You see, we believe as a church in the immortality of a soul. And an animal has no soul. And a soul is not immortal. There's no such thing, I believe, tonight as a real, devout, true atheist. Why? Because the stamp of God's consciousness is in the heart of man. That's the way God has made us. He has made everything beautiful in his time. And what he did was he stamped man with a God consciousness. Oh, that we could grasp that. There's a knowledge of God in our hearts. Turn over there to in your Bible to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says there, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, we'll answer the question, is there a God? Yes, how do we know? Look at the book of nature. And all the things that are made in heaven above and in the earth below, everything testifies 
to God's eternal power and Godhead. It testifies there is a God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth showeth forth his handiwork. Men can have the knowledge of God, his eternal power and Godhead in their hearts. It witnesses to them from creation. So they're without excuse. Turn to Romans chapter 2. Look with me at the verse um, 15. It says, verse 14 as well, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Do you know what that means? It means that when God made man, he made man in such a way that the very law of God, the summary of the Ten Commandments, was stamped in their heart. Ungodly, heathen Gentiles. The law of God is in their hearts. So, so men, all men, live with a sense of being called God. And man knows that he's a dependent creature. He knows that he is a morally countable being. He knows that there's a moral governor to whom he will give an account one day. And I just want to make it clear, this is innate in the heart and mind of man. It wasn't put there by a religious upbringing. It wasn't put there by the church. It wasn't put there by the pastor, the preacher. It was created and it was developed by an act of God in creation. It's not the invention of man. Not something that, that man has imposed or man controls. Therefore, man cannot run and hide from God. Notice where it's placed. It's in our hearts. Could I take you tonight in your mind to darkest Africa? You think of the heathen there, ungodly men. They have no special knowledge or revelation of God. They have no Bible. They have no preacher to teach and tell them about Jesus, the mighty to save. And what do they do? They want to worship something. Why? Because it's there in their hearts. There's a God consciousness. And they invent their own God of stone and wood and trees and, and maybe worship the animals. Why? Because they have an inbuilt desire to worship something or someone higher than themselves. Remember where Paul went to Mars Hill and preached the sermon there in Athens to the Athenians. He, he, he used the superinscription to the unknown God. And he used that as a starting point to preach to them about their creator God, to whom they're dependable, to, 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 to whom they're accountable. Remember what he says there in the book of Acts, in um, Acts chapter 17. And we read it there in the verse um, at 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood of all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not very far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. See, remember one day man will die. And yet when man dies, he never really passes out of existence. Because we believe, remember, in the immortality of the soul. The Lord Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he'll gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? 
It was Job that said that man dieth and giveth up the ghost. Remember, that's what death is. Death is the separation of the soul from the body. And then Job further pressed the question, man dieth and giveth up the ghost, and asked the question, where is he? You know, we don't really just exist for a short time. We think of life as a moment, 70, 80, or 90 years. But time is really just a moment. Man's existence is real. Not only in time, but in eternity. And death, therefore, is not the end, because after death is God's great eternity. And that's already stamped in our hearts. Our souls should live with eternity in view. That's why the Lord Jesus could say to the dying thief when he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. What did he say? Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Doesn't Paul talk about 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, absent from the body and present with the Lord? Do you know when man dies, he goes to one of two places. The saved go to heaven to be with Christ for all eternity. The ungodly who die in their sins without Christ, they also live for all eternity. Think of the rich man called Davies. The Bible tells us that he died and was buried and in hell lift up his eyes, being in torment. Think of Cain tonight, the murderer. Think of Judas tonight, the betrayer and traitor of Christ. See, see, man's immortal. Because God has built and made man with time and eternity stamped in their heart. The creator of time and eternity. Think also tonight with me of the controller of time and eternity eternity. It says in our text, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And in the beginning of end of life, from the start of time to the finish of time as far as we know it, there's a mysterious element to it. We could talk tonight about the mystery of time. Isn't time difficult to define? We, 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 we know what it is in a sense, but we really don't know what it is. Because even the philosophers and theologians don't really fully understand it. And if you ask me what is time, I could talk about daytime and nighttime. I, I can only answer this, and, and this is the answer that I've been given by one of the divines. It's God's device to keep all things happening. See, there's a mysterious element to it. Not only do I talk about the mystery of time, but think about the measurement of time. How do we measure time? Clocks and watches. We could talk about seconds, minutes, hours. Oh, if we really want to get scientific, we could talk about microseconds. We could also talk about nanoseconds. One billionth of a second. Well, that's mind-blowing. I don't understand that. It's all right for Mark Strong. He would know what that is. But, but I wouldn't. You see, the scientists can, can say, well, the most best clock that you could go by is the atomic clock. They even talk about nine billionth of a second. But what I know is this. The time is precious. And the longer you live, it seems less and less that we have to enjoy. The Bible teaches us to spend our time wisely. Remember what the Bible says over there in Psalm 90, the great prayer of Moses. It says, 
So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Doesn't Ephesians 5 and 16 talk about redeeming the time because the days are evil? That word redeem means to buy up every opportunity. Why? Because time will not always be available to us. One day your and mine allotted time span will come to an end because it's God that has set the bounds of our habitation. And the life that we live will know us no more. Our time will, will come to an end. And the clock is ticking tonight. And that time has been given to us by God. And that time is a precious gift. And our life is governed and measured by God setting the clock of time. The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength, four score years. And yet, their labor and sorrow. See, many tonight have left God out. They have little or no time for God. How many hours do we have in a week? 168. Well, if you tithe that, that means 10 hours of our time in the week is for God. But do we measure time like that? Do we see time as a precious gift? Do we see that our lives are governed by this gift? What about the movement of time? Did you notice in verse 15 in the reading it says, And God requireth that which is past. Do you know one thing that we can't do? Turn back time. How many here would love to turn back time? If I asked for a show of hands, I don't think there'd be one person didn't put their hand up. I would love to turn back time. I would love to go back to the very start of 20 years here and carried off in this new building. But that's wishful thinking. That's a mere pipe dream. Oh yes, we can turn our clocks back when the time comes to change them. But we can't turn back the clock of life. See, the Bible tells us, God requires that which is past. See, past events we have recorded. Photographs. Pieces of paper. What are those photographs? And uh, uh, They're but images of an event in time that has taken place. And we have the memory of it. But we can't change it. We can't replace it. We can't recreate it. Or they can maybe do it in film. But in real life, they can't. It's interesting that God gave us eyes in the front of our head. Never give us eyes at the back. You wonder why? Because we can't see what's behind us. Remember, there's a season for everything. And here in this passage, which is really self-explanatory, on the journey of life, there's a time to be born and a time to die. And then he goes on to say, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And everything else is in between. See, time is precious. Time is moving on, it's passing us by. Do you know that in Chester Cathedral tonight, there's a clock? And this is what it says, and I, I read. When as a child, I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth, I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a man fully grown, time ran. Later as I grew older, time flew. Soon I shall find when traveling on, time gone. And here's the question on life's journey. Will Christ have saved your soul by then? Do you know the Lord tonight? Do you know that there's nothing in this life that's going to satisfy your soul? You could be rich. 
You could be poor, but you'll still be disillusioned without God because you were built for God. You can say, well, I have this and that. You can say, I don't have this and that. But the more you have, and this is what Solomon discovered, the more disillusioned and dissatisfied with things that he became. See, in this age in which we live, life of drug addiction, life of drunkenness and alcohol abuse, a life of depression and dependent on medication, a life when suicide is on the increase, where young people feel they have no purpose to life, life has no meaning, and even though they get blocked out of their head, they're, they're, they're blind and deranged by the philosophy that, that life is really a cruel joke. But you see, if you just live for temporal and material things, and you block out this God consciousness, this stamp of time and eternity in your heart, then all that you'll have is this passion for things that will not satisfy. Life is a cruel joke. It's a rat race. But it's a rat race without God. You can eat and drink and be merry. You can indulge in all the follies that you want. You can have hours, endless hours and parties. You can have money and wealth. And you can be a millionaire or billionaire. But when you have it all, at the end without God, it's all emptiness and vanity. You'll only end up more dissatisfied and more depressed. Because the source of true happiness, as I told you this morning, Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. We could think tonight about the memory of time. And God even controls that. The thoughts in our head. You'll remember every gospel opportunity. You'll remember every occasion you were called to get right with God. You'll remember every time that God spoke to you. You'll remember every event, second, minutes and hours. Let me just finish tonight for our time is gone. The concern for time and eternity. You see, if God has put this concept of time and eternity in our hearts, then let's make eternity our chief concern. If nothing temporal satisfies, whether we're poor or rich or educated or uneducated, whether we're uh, building or doing things, um, remember, of course, that you're going to live forever. You've got an immortal soul. Then the question is this. Have you a concern for eternity in your heart? God has given you the gift of time and your life is governed by this gift of time that God has given, then remember your chief end. Chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To know God. Tonight God has given you space and time to repent and be saved. To know him as Lord and Savior. To be at peace with him. To be in a right relationship with him. Didn't God say in Revelation 2 and 3, I've given him space to repent. Or the word space means time. God is merciful. God gives the sinner space, time, and opportunity to repent and believe the gospel. He's not willing that any should perish. Long-suffering to all men. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How long did he give the people in Noah's day? 120 years why Noah built the ark. You see, God, remember, is merciful. God is kind. The psalmist said in Psalm 86 and in the verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. How much time has he given you already? Has he not given you another Sunday night, even though it's the end of the year? I think of Felix. Acts 24 and verse 27. Remember he said to Paul, when I have a more convenient time, 
I will call on you. And did you know that God allowed Paul to preach to Felix? Even though he wasted that time and opportunity, did you know that God gave him two more years to hear Paul, to hear the gospel, to, to discuss the great truths about salvation? See, see, God in Christ won't force himself on you. Maybe you're here tonight and God has blessed you with a Christian home and Christian parents. You've been brought up under the sound of the gospel. And many years have passed since you first heard the gospel. And yet here in mercy, God is still speaking to you tonight. And this is what God says today. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to come and repent and get right with him. Today, after so long a time, harden not your hearts. See, the right time is today. The right time is now, not tomorrow. Do you know why? Because tomorrow will never come. If there's a time to be born and a time to die, the young may die, and the old will die. We could talk tonight about the prime of life. Time is running out, young people. Man or woman, you need to number our days. You need to come now and reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as well. So let me ask you as we close, have you a concern for this time and eternity in your heart? Time that God has given for you to have space to repent, opportunity to come to him, and you're concerned about your soul living on in eternity? How could you go to heaven tonight? question comes to you and me where will you spend eternity we were singing here's the answer Jesus said I'm the way the truth the life no man comes unto the father but by me will you recognize tonight you're a sinner will you receive Christ as Lord and Savior will you repent of your sin will you call out to him God be merciful to me the sinner how much time have you left none of us know the Bible tells us Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Understand tonight God is the creator of time. God's in control of the time of your life. He has set the bound of your habitation. And you ought to be concerned for that eternity in your heart. Should you have space and time to get right with God. We would urge you tonight, if you're here without Christ, to come and trust him as Lord and Savior.